Hi folks, my name is Kevin Dunn, and welcome to Agency Unfiltered, a bi-weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners around agency operations, growth, and scale. Nobody knows how to scale agencies better than those that are already doing it, and they're happy to share an unfiltered look into what has worked and what hasn't. Today, we talked to Richard Wood, Managing Director of Manchester, England-based Six and Flow. Based on some forecasted changes in the market, Rich and his team began sourcing opportunities for a merger, and once they seemingly found a fit, the merger ended up in a breakup between the two teams. We discuss how those early merger conversations went, how the initial integration went between the two teams, and what ultimately led to the two teams splitting up. This is Agency Unfiltered. Rich, what's going on? Thank you so much for jumping in. Pleasure. Unfiltered. Uh, happy to have you. Uh, excited to dive in. I think this topic uh, is going to be the opportunity to really uh, get some unique perspectives. Um, I think it's a top of mind type topic for a lot of folks, um, but you have a very interesting uh, experience with it. So talking about mergers, right? When they go right and maybe when they don't go so right. Yep. Um, but let's just, let's just set the table stakes. Uh, why don't you just give us a perspective into... Um, uh, what your merger process looked like and then kind of where, where we're at today. Yeah, so it's probably a good idea to like set the scene of kind of like why we decided to yeah. start looking at it. So um, I remember a couple couple inbounds back, uh, HubSpot announced the fact that they were starting to look at the Shopify integration, which kind of put, as an agency, put e-commerce on our radar. Historically, we'd never really done anything apart from a little bit of paid in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So we started thinking about how could we capitalize on a new direction from HubSpot. And uh, I'd always been quite friendly and had a kind of good relationship with a another uh, agency based in Manchester who was a development house, primarily e-commerce. Um, and we started having discussions around kind of the trials and tribulations that agency owners had. Um, in Manchester, there was a spate of um, kind of quite regularly different project based agencies going under because they couldn't fulfill the needs of um, kind of mm-hmm. general agency stuff, couldn't land new business. So there was kind of that was kind of going on in the background and so what we started to talk about was hang on what about if we brought these two things together and if we brought these two agencies together it would make us one bigger agency their project work would our our retained work would support the agency their project work would become the profit Mm -hmm. and we would have something that was quite stable in almost like a a unique way in the market that we were um, kind of working in so we started to think about that more seriously and then, then we kind of made a snap decision to actually kind of jump into it. And I think that's when the, kind of the lessons started to be learned from it. So it's, it's a process that we, we started, we went through, we wholeheartedly jumped into it, and then very quickly started to realize, actually, we've made a mistake. So we started to pull back out of it. You said, so it was a, a snap decision, you rushed into it from yep. the initial conversation of like, hey, should we start thinking about this? How long was that process? And it, it, so maybe I'll just ask that first, yeah. So, I mean, if I'm being brutally honest, the first conversation that we had was a very drunken conversation at a networking <laughs> event, which tends That's to be where, where yeah, happens, I mean, this yeah. is when big decisions get made. Um, and that, that, we then were just discussing it on and off over a course of maybe 12 months. We were like, should we do this? Is it a good thing? Yeah. No, I don't think it is. And I think we actually made a decision, no, I don't think it's the right idea for us at the moment. And then then it started, like the development stuff started to, we were being asked to, um, could we do things around Shopify integrations? We had several clients that we could go, actually, this is a really good fit for you. If we had more development capacity and we could actually roll out some e-commerce experience into that, 
good fit. And then it became a, actually, I think if we merged immediately, we could increase the business that you've got coming in and you can add some real value to us. And I mean, and ultimately make us a bigger entity overall. It, yeah. would, it would have increased the size of our business. By, well, the headcount did increase the size of our business by about 30%. Wow. So it was it, like on paper made sense. And then when we started to actually consider it again, um, coincided with the same time that my second uh, child was due. So it was uh, kind of fraught all around. But there's, we, we kind of yeah, started to make the decision around it and it was pretty quick after that process. Mm. What were the, so once you actually uh, made the merger happen, you said that you started to quickly realize it might not have been a fit. So like what were those telltale signs? I think the primary one is culture. So we, so I would have said before we'd kind of gone through the process, and I mean the the reversal of the process. A lot, obviously, there's a lot of emotion on all sides there, a lot of angst and kind of tensions that come up out of that mm -hmm. reversal. But I think when initially, the culturally, I would have said me and the other uh, agency owner were a good culture fit. Us personally, we could hang out. We both had similar aspirations. Um, and it was the team that wasn't, that our two teams weren't gelling culturally, just we mm. couldn't get them to fit. So our agency has always been culture run. We've always been team first. Culture is a big part of it. And we have a recruitment process where the final stage is everybody gets interviewed by the agency. So it's like a speed dating session. Mm. And because we then dropped another uh, six or seven people straight into the agency almost overnight, um, and kind of they hadn't gone through that same vetting process. They hadn't earned their stripes or it just it started to really great and you could see there were some tensions on both sides. I'm not saying kind of like my team were definitely as as much at fault for a lot of that, but it wasn't one way, right? No, just no, it's it, it just bad fit and then they it escalates and then people start chipping away at each other. I mean, we had stupid stuff like arguments over bins and like just stuff like that. Mm. And it, that just started to really not uh, work and then a lot of the clients that um, we thought we could then immediately upsell decided that they didn't actually want that kind of process in. So then there were um, struggles with, um, like we couldn't then feed them immediately with the work. They were still self-supportive um, because they hadn't obviously cut away the clients or anything like that. But but the upsell opportunities weren't coming in in the, yeah. in the rate you thought they would. I think so there was an impact to the. Yeah. We, we'd made some assumptions around how quickly we'd be able to mobilize that side of the business, and, it, and we got it wrong. Um, and then I think there was also stuff around processes. So as a development agency, we'd made some assumptions around that their processes would immediately be a lot more formalized than ours. So I mean, historically as an agency, we've been kind of a bit, a bit haphazard and learn on the job with our processes. Mm -hmm. And we spent probably the last two years formalizing that. And we were hoping that their development processes would be a lot more structured and formal and we could learn from that. But we were then informing back on that. And we, like, we have development capacities since the merger uh, like reversal, we've actually kind of built that side up organically ourselves. But we've we've built those processes, and what we were finding is that we were having to spend more time and effort fixing things that we thought were fixed than actually kind of growing the business, mm. which is from an operational standpoint, it's just huge overlays of time. Yeah. So Rich, tell me like, I'm just curious to know like, all right, so the decision has been made that you guys need to demerge. Like put me in that room. What did that conversation look like? I can imagine it wasn't very easy, but uh, what, yeah. was it, what was it like? I, I mean, honestly, it's probably the worst conversations I've ever had to have since running Six and Flow. It was 
uh, emotional and horrible. It was it was literally like uh, kind of breaking up with a friend and um, firing somebody in the same kind of capacity, and also kind of that that element of like we talked about dreams and aspirations, and I think it was much more of a, a shock um, for the other side than a, a, well, obviously because it was me kind of instigating the conversation. But I think it wasn't it was not expected in that, and I think some of the lessons we learned around that as being kind of maybe we needed to have more regular kind of check-ins and kind of are we on target and and I I think we did to a certain extent but with uh, retrospect I think actually more hindsight yeah. there could have been more of that a lot more of that from our perspective but yeah it wasn't a good conversation but it's it's one of those things that like I I can be when I when I set my mind on something I and think it's a good idea I can be all in and I'm like I need to like this is a good idea and I don't care what like you're just not understand if you don't think it's a good idea you're just not understanding it properly <laughs> right, right. and when I look back at it everybody was telling me it was not a good idea so it was so even even Steve Horner can and every time he tells me something is not a good idea it pans out to not be a good idea but I still refuse to listen to him out of principle but he he did ask me to ask you if he said anything about it so I'm glad that came yeah. unprompted so yeah he he is uh, he's, he's a, a guiding light in our kind of decision-making process but I still ignore him from time to time <laughs> he he was he, he questioned it he was like so why are you making this move what is around it and I explained it to him and he's like in theory it's sound but have a think about the kind of the implications around it are they able to actually kind of feed into um, helping sell HubSpot or like all of these kind of things and and it made it made sense what he was saying but it also I could see the opportunity was there mm -hmm. um, and then uh, like I, I have a like a business mentor when it, he I started working with a mentor after we'd made the decision and I was telling him about the, the issues we're having and the, the processes that were missing and the effort that was being spent in other places. And we did a very simple kind of pros and cons type list. What are we gaining? What are we losing? What are the differences? Why don't you just build this yourself? Mm. Because actually having, having played around in the e-commerce market with the experience that we had with them, it was like actually this isn't really a space that our core strengths lie so why are we pursuing something that we're not very good at yeah. let's stick to the b2b stuff let's stick to the places that we can have some real traction and yeah so i think and it, like, even my wife was like why are you doing this like what, you're taking on somebody else's problems not that they had intrinsic problems but they are a project agency there is risk you are in worst case scenario you're taking on seven salaries that you may just have to pay if they can't land project right. work right. If not, you have to lay people off. So why are you doing that? And that's, again, exactly what Steve said. So I think with hindsight, looking at the people who were advising me, you idiot, you should listen to them. How did you, so how did you bake in the opportunity to demerge? Was there like a, like a trial period that was time bound and you knew there was like this exit clause? Yeah. Like how did, you, how did you build that in to give yourself so, the opportunity? So because we were quite cavalier or haphazard in the way that we approached doing this, so we were, Two, two mates who had, like we started out as business acquaintances, became mates and kind of um, would talk to each other about kind of things outside of work, like the, the struggles that we were facing, either running an agency, family life, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it, we, we kind of thought it was a good idea. We kind of rushed into it and sort of did that whole kind of, we'll, we'll figure it out over time. We'll make it work. We'll learn on the job. Um, and as part of that, thankfully, we decided that we would have a six month period. So six months 
we wouldn't, uh, so for all intents and purposes, publicly um, with kind of externally, everybody uh, knew that we'd merge. So there was a big PR release. Mm -hmm. We talked about our, our aspirations, like where the markets we wanted to grow into, stuff like that. And then it was a six month period of the, at the end of that six months, we would then legally and financially bind the companies, merge the books, um, kind of make each other direct, or close down one business and make director on the other. Mm -hmm. um, and and it kind of all made sense. But I mean, like, thankfully, we put that process in place because there was nothing to legally untangle. It was only operationally untangle and emotionally untangle and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it does, that having that kind of out clause or that six-month window, it did help just avoid some of the real complex aspects. Yep. Right? I, I would imagine if you kind of merge or bind at the books, you know, like that would have just been incredibly it, it, complex. But, but you knew... You had the wherewithal to say, all right, here, we're just going to try and mesh the teams, mesh our processes, validate if it works. I mean, the worst part of the, like, apart from the kind of, um, the tension between the relationship between me and the other MD, that, and that, I mean, that's a real shame, but the, the, the real difficult bit about the unmerging was they were, they'd moved into our office. So we then had to, after we'd made the decision, we then had to wait for them to be able to find a new office to then move out. So we then had an agency within an agency. And because we already had that cultural difference, there was nothing holding back either side from like within the teams from actually kind of playing nice anymore, Yeah, right. which when things then started to escalate again over stupid things like bins or like who's using which chair or like that kind of stuff, mm. just there's nothing kind of, there's no kind of uh, true North Point where everybody's like, look, we're all trying to do the same thing. Well, actually, no, we're not. Now anymore. they don't have to yeah, play nice. So, yeah, and I, I think it's, that, that's the bit that was the most difficult. And like, I, I can't speak how their teams handle it because we're, we're not kind of uh, obviously working with them anymore. But my team um, have kind of understood, like they all understood the process. Um, the senior team were kind of consulted about it before we went through and sort of like, do you think it's a good idea? And then on paper it did. Um, and But now... Since we've gone through that process, like I hold my hands up and say, like that was a fuck up, like my bad, I made that mistake. I hold my hands up and like, but we've learned some serious amounts of uh, kind of lessons out of it. Um, and one of them is that like that, those big decisions, there needs to be more structure, more due diligence. You have to understand what the implications are, all of that kind of stuff. And that's that's powerful because I mean we're in an agency landscape like we're we're not looking to be bought or sold or anything like that but it's we're now like we have an understanding of the pitfalls so that if mm. we ever were then we know what we are and aren't looking at and how we should approach those things and and that's I how think to, what, a powerful what to be lesson. more intentional and checking and making sure like how to mesh and more intentional more checking like the the processes so we we would have um, we would some of the things that we found that weren't quite right with the other agency once we went into it is stuff that you would never find out in a, a normal due diligence process. It would only be once you start working side by side that you actually see that stuff. And so I think what we would do now is start to look at how do we bring in a, like um, we would staff swap. So we would put a member of staff in your team for a while, vice versa, see how each other works. Exactly. Yeah, right. And, and, or like even do, what do they call them? Like a CEO type swap. So yeah, like, right. like that to yeah, get to like actually Like a leadership understand. swap. Yeah. yeah, right. And that, that kind of stuff will give you insight that you would never learn from a, a spreadsheet. So the numbers are only part of a business. And that's, I think that is part of what I've learned from this, 
experience is that like you have to make sure that culturally it's not going to damage damage your business and it has to add real value like looking to obviously we've just heard um halligan's talk about um, like making sure that new products add value and all that kind of stuff and or team members and that is like for us if if we were to ever kind of combine with another agency or acquire be acquired anything like that it would have to be because it was adding value to what we're actually trying to do as an agency ourselves mm. so like and again like for us to be acquired if like my line in the sand would always be around kind of the team and the culture the thing that we've built as an agency above all else is culture and brand and how we uh, approach the market and that would be the thing that you need to make sure is being kept with any kind of acquisition deal or or there needs to be kind of common understanding of who's losing what and mm. what's going where and i think because we rushed into it none of that was really done um, you mentioned that when the merger happened, at least at the start, there's a major PR play, a lot of communication mm -hmm. externally to the market. On the flip side of the unmerging or demerging, uh, how did you handle the communications? So, um, so when we did that first PR release, we were kind of not aggressive with it, but we were very kind of like, this is our line in the sand. This is why we're doing it. This is why we're trying to achieve it. And we believed it all and we were targeting that it was all obtainable kind of um, numbers but uh, I think it was a mistake to announce it like that like what we wanted to do is show everybody here is our intent our intent mm -hmm. here is how we're doing it but I think it was also confirming it for ourselves we told everybody we're going to do it now so we we're actually going to have True. to do now it now we're holding ourselves accountable to making it happen and which also means that if it doesn't work it's a very public fuck up so that's kind of an intent. I'm sorry, if, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, so agency unfiltered. So oh, cool, fine. Yeah. So the yeah, so with the unmerging side of things, the other agency had started to well had stepped away from their brand. They were still a live site. They were still the brand still existed, but they'd stepped away from it and kind of put it on ice, mm. and joined us. So from the original PR release we had the, the kind of the the exposure the six and flow brand but then from the um, but so for the the demerger stuff we would we just kind of went look you guys do what you need to do you release the releases you need to release and you promote your brand in whatever way helps because that will help you kind of they're a project business so there wasn't any damage to their kind of long term and it's a fairly unknown brand so it's it wasn't a massive detractor but it was us saying look you you guys do what you need to do whatever communication you feel yeah. is correct and right for your business then yeah. and the communication was um honest it was kind of like we've um we've tried uh, we tried to do it but it's not worked we've decided to go away as separate brands and that makes sense because one of the key things for me about making the decision to unmerge was that um what was it? it was totally in my head then um is that so we we are very good at the kind of the B2B inbound ABM conversational type stuff. That is our core strength. That's how we help our clients. But then, and they're very good at the e-commerce side. But right. what we were finding is that as we were merging the two, we were detracting from both. Mm. And I don't want to be an agency that is marginally good at some, uh, like everything. I would rather be like nailing what we do right. and having that reputation. Like in HubSpot in, or, or the Academy certifications, you know well, the, um, you talk about having a niche, like your sorry, niche in, yeah. in America. I never know which one yeah. to use. It's yeah. niche, definitely niche. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and 
it was kind of like when I start looking at this, and do you know what really drove it home is we were redesigning our home web page, and we were trying to um, look at uh, how we can um, graphically depict all of our different services. Yeah. Um, so we've got like inbound marketing and sales is like the key one. Then we've got conversational, we've got development and other bits and pieces. And then there was just this e-commerce thing that just kind of sat there and we were like, what is that? Why are we like, how does that, how does that fit, fit in naturally yeah. with the, yeah. and it, it doesn't, there's like, it, there was nothing that kind of fit with it. It just looked like an add on. Mm. And I was like, we are doing something that, and I, I think maybe it's because I come from a design background, but that was the thing that stuck in my head. And I was like, it doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Um, so that's what I think kind of the beginning of the end. You said that obviously the conversation, the decision to make was uh, one of the hardest conversations you've ever had to have. Yep. What does then the conversation look like to the wider team? What's the vibe? How do they react? Like, how did you kind of announce it internally? You know what I mean? Um, so we sat down with my team. Um, well, I sat down with my team. Uh, he sat down with his team, yeah. um, and it, we just kind of explained to them, look, we tried. Here are the reasons that we tried, like we've all spoken about, and here's the reasons it's not working, and here's why we're kind of splitting. And I think, I guess, if you could say a benefit of that kind of friction that was happening between the two teams is everybody going, oh, thank God for that. Yeah, right. So I think there was there was um, as well received relief. as it could have been. Yeah, yeah right. Um, but also, I think the team appreciate that I was then in a position holding up my hands going, my bad, yeah. I made a mistake. Yeah. So You took yeah. ownership, yeah, yeah. my bad, my bad. Um, you've mentioned a couple times that obviously there's a number of lessons learned. I feel like we've uncovered a few of them. Are there any other lessons, like any other big takeaways um, from just? Not that I can, not that we haven't covered. Yeah. I think like it was, it was definitely an eye-opening experience, but I think for me now, if, if we would ever go down that road again, culture would be the main thing so don't don't focus on the numbers like yeah and like and now with a retrospect it makes sense like we are a culture-led agency we are team first why didn't we focus on the culture first and i think we looked at okay your revenue is that my revenue is that together that's a really big kind of chunk like we are a, yeah. become a serious player and there's all this opportunity but actually what does that mean for the underlying processes and culture and how the agency actually runs? So I think that, that was my biggest lesson. Um, final question for you, Rich. Um, I asked this for everybody, um, but I feel like this entire episode fits in pretty well. Um, I asked, what do you think is the strangest part of agency life? So maybe what's the strangest part of post-demerger agency life? Strangest? The weirdest, strangest. Weirdest. Oh, I don't know what the weirdest thing of agency life is, but like... What about your conference table? <laughs> yeah, so we, we've got a boardroom table that has all of our, um, uh, basically our Instagram is, which is all like beer, dogs and cakes. It's much more That's of a- That's all Instagram is, we yeah, know this. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a recruitment tool more than a, well, a client right. finding tool. But we print them out, so they get printed out as kind of, uh, what do you call them, the, uh, the photos? Polaroids? Polaroid, like, yeah. uh, so we print them out and they go under a, a glass sheet on our boardroom table and so it's it's nice because when we bring in clients they are literally sitting around our culture and understanding how we are but i think the weirdest part of agency life for me is just like i don't think anything's weird i think maybe just because i've kind of grown up to it or just become accustomed to it hmm. maybe it's like stockholm syndrome yeah it's the new normal yeah, yeah. So yeah you're like you're just normal yeah just used to it now yeah, the yeah. Kinks and the i think the, the hardest part of agency life is that there is, as an agency leader, and I think it's because I've not got it right yet, there's no detachment. 
I am, I am always thinking about the agency. I am always doing something agency. I'm always communicating with somebody about something. So there is no off button. There's no end of the work day. No, there's, yeah. And that's, I mean, that can be a struggle. Like it can be a real struggle sometimes, but it's, um, uh, yeah, I think that's, it's part of the job. And actually, I think in a weird way, I kind of enjoy it. Hmm. You have to, because you continue yeah. to do it, <laughs> you know. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. That Pleasure. Was, that was a great story. I appreciate you uh, opening up for us. But, Anytime. Um, but that's it. That's all we got. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. If you like what you saw, heard, or read, make sure to subscribe to our playlist on YouTube, our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or our newsletter on agencyunfiltered.com. Alongside episode launch notifications, the newsletter also comes with a ton of other helpful, strategically curated agency content from yours truly. And if you want to keep the conversation going or provide a counterpoint to this episode's discussion, tweet me at, at Kevin underscore Dunn. I'll see you again in two weeks, but in the meantime, keep it unfiltered and let's all grow.